I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to The Silver Bullet. This podcast is brought to you by Media and Capital Partners and features interviews with disruptors from all across the Australian business landscape. Here, we chat with startup founders, CEOs, and other business leaders to uncover what they're doing differently to their competitors and discover their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Jonathan Miller, Managing Director for Australia at Digital Asset Exchange Kraken. Jono, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sandra. Good to be here. So I am really excited to chat about what's happening at Kraken and also reflecting, you know, back on your time with the business and, of course, the state of the crypto market at the moment, which there's a lot to talk about. Uh, but let's start by going back a bit. I just wanted to know how you first got involved in, in the crypto and blockchain space. Was BitTrade your first taste of the industry? Yeah, yeah, we're going back a fair way. So in around 2013, um, I was introduced to Bitcoin uh, by one of the guys who I was in a co-working space and, and one of the guys in there, you know, latched onto it. And and when I uh, was introduced to it, uh, you know, I was a software engineer at the time, you know, self-taught software engineer, but, but I'd also come out of university and I was... Um, you know, tutoring in in macroeconomics, political economics, and I was thinking about going down a bit more of the kind of study road. And this became kind of like almost the Venn diagram of the of the two interests because I, in my study, I had been really interested in you know like um, supranational money, like the euro, and like these kind of like non nation state monies or, or kind of um, supranation state money monies. And then, you know, I was a bit of a nerd, like, liked programming, liked software. And so Bitcoin was kind of somewhere in between. So then, yeah, w- what we realized, um, was that it was super interesting, but it was also really hard to get in Australia. And so there was a group of guys, um, that all had a, had a, have varying kind of degrees of interest in, in the underlying technology. Uh, but we all realized it was really hard to get here and we started a brokerage, um, indebted to those other other guys who who also saw that um and saw the vision there and, and then we worked really hard to 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 in, in varying times over the years to build a business um, but yeah that was back in 2013 BitTrade was a local australian brokerage that inevitably um uh, became acquired by by kraken yeah absolutely and i guess going back back to that time you know you mentioned you're working in sort of tertiary education and 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 software where where did your career first start and and did you always plan to sort of move the way you went or have have you really had to sort of pivot with everything that's happened i mean i don't suppose when you you know graduated uni that you thought that you'd end up where you are now right yeah it's a bit of both i think um the 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 interesting thing about um where i started in crypto was it was a, it was more around the technology rather than the market side so i was um building uh, software and, and making websites and and building uh, marketplaces for people um, with with a with a team and and we did some really interesting consulting. And I was really lucky to meet when we got into Bitcoin. Uh, met a whole bunch of you know the meetups. This is the industry was ex- you know incredibly small. It, it wasn't an industry. It was people that were interested in in Bitcoin. <laughs> that was that was it. Um, and uh, and I met in Australia. There was some people who were doing some really cool stuff really early so um i met a guy who he was he was a kind of early core contributor to ethereum uh we ended up doing a little bit of consulting work uh you know w- with with banks uh with major banks with with startups who are looking to use a technology um you know blockchain uh, and um 
in parallel, we had the the kind of um, the brokerage, and, and it became really apparent in 2017 that the brokerage um, needed love, and so we we went underwent you know kind of dove into that, started rebuilding that, and I ended up kind of taking over the the day to day operations of that, uh, and we pivoted a little bit. We we built out a, an OTC kind of you know um, over the counter uh, trading desk and we, we we built a team around that and we we also started making markets on other exchanges and essentially the the business you know shifted and changed and my attention moved from from the consulting side we were still doing consulting all the way through uh, moved from the consulting side though to to managing um, the day-to-day of of liquidity on on, on our market making engine and, and kind of working with the engineers and the and the and the traders to make sure that we could have a you know we could make money right so yeah look it, it was um, certainly a journey uh, and, and one that I, I don't think I could have predicted, but it, the, the, the varying parts, the pieces of the puzzle that kind of brought me to the uh, to where I am today certainly were all there, but perhaps in, in different parts. And, and I, I certainly couldn't see the big picture from, from, from day one, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, and and this podcast, people listening in, you know what what we sort of sell it as is 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 stories and 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 learnings from from those early stages of getting involved in companies, especially startups and 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 founding companies and that sort of thing. What sort of challenges did you find you faced with you know those really those startup style companies that you've been part of, and 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 what have you learnt from those that you think you've been able to, I guess, implement and learn from in in the roles you've had since. Well, I've been really lucky to be able to see from the outside and the inside all the mistakes. <laughs> um, you know, so you know, we were running our own business. We had a consultancy. We had a brokerage. We had um, co-founders. We had we were bootstrapped. You know, we didn't have outside funding. We um, we saw bull markets. We saw bear markets. We tried to ra- tried to raise money in in, in the wrong ones. Um, we were participant to boardrooms with third party companies. We were consulting with. We were doing venture kind of work with those businesses. So we were essentially, you know, in the room with them as they were making their decisions. I saw, you know, the mis- the decisions they were making. Some of the big challenges you face are really kind of risk appetite is a kind of very nebulous phrase, but it cuts to the heart, I think. Um, of uh, the kind of critical decision-making that happens in small businesses. You have people with varying degrees of risk appetite. And um, and what I realized is, is very quickly is you have to take significant risks to, to um, achieve things. Um, and, and even if you're taking other people's money, if you're raising, you know, large sums of money, that's also a risk. That's, that's not a risk-free venture. So we, we did it the bootstrap way. And, um, and, you know, you pair that kind of the different, dynamic of that people bring to a business be that with respect to the way they make decisions or or just their personalities that's always going to be something and we saw that in our business we saw that in other businesses you know the businesses that we were consulting to um the dynamic between the people in the business is a huge part of what um what what can make and break it and uh yeah i i also think that um timing timing's another thing you know we we had um we had a product that uh, i think was you know really suitable for the time and we saw some products come uh through through in in 20 you know 15 2016 2017 that now if that same product and i and i see versions of that that now so crypto crypto um prime brokerages for example um, back then were, were small and um, we used to deal with them and now those businesses are huge and i think you know the the engine room for 
um, for some of the other exchanges, you know, we've seen businesses like Alameda Research and, and B2C2, these kind of um, market making businesses in the crypto world. We saw versions of those earlier, uh, in, you know, in, in, in the crypto story and they, and they didn't survive. And now, and now these things are kind of critical to the, to the landscape. So, you know, timing's a massive thing and that's something you definitely can't control. But uh, if you have the right people around you, you can, you can either wait it out or you can, you can um, yeah, move with the times, right? You can, as you say, pivot. Yeah, I, I think um, you know the, the one of those big things you mentioned there is is you know raising capital and and just going through the whole money part of it. Obviously, um, the crypto and blockchain space is is probably something that investors and that sort of thing uh, would have tackled differently in the early days. Were there any interesting things that you went through over that period of time, sort of um, trying to get people on board with this proposition that you don't think is potentially faced by? you know, I guess, other more traditional businesses? Definitely, because in the early days, people didn't want to touch crypto um, unless you're in Silicon Valley. So I think, you know, one thing that was certainly true is that um, businesses that went to Silicon Valley to raise money, the risk appetite of the investors there was just uh, far higher and more appropriate um, considering the nature of crypto, the uncertainty around, you know, from a technical point of view, but also from a regulatory point of view, all those layers um, so yeah, I think that the investor um, appetite in Australia at the time earlier, it changed, it changed quickly, but in around 2013, 2014, it was people, it was individuals, it wasn't big VCs in Australia that were taking big punts. There's a couple of um, exchanges that did get a little bit of angel investment and then they went through and they, and they kind of grew out of that. Um, but yeah, definitely raising capital uh, for crypto has 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 challenges, but there are people who have done a really good job of that. Um, we, we were we went to um, our clients to to raise money at a time when the the market turned, and and that was an interesting experience as well. So market conditions can be everything, and people out there raising money right now, trying to raise money right now, they might have an amazing idea, but the market's just not right, and not even just crypto. I mean, that's tech tech wide at the moment. So yeah, it can certainly certainly bring its challenges raising capital, but also I think it can change the way a business feels. So we ended up um, you know making use of of third-party capital in some ways, some from founders, some from from third parties in the business to ensure you know that it could continue, but also so that it could grow. Uh, and we ended up seeking capital from from other businesses in the space, including Kraken. And that's that's where where the acquisition kind of evolved from was a discussion around capital. Uh, but the yeah, the the challenge I think for businesses in any arena, but in particular the unregulated arena, is finding the right match, finding the right kind of. Um, uh, the right people in the funding on the funding side, and the the right um, appetite, the risk appetite for the particular venture. Yeah, and you mentioned the acquisition there. I want to jump into that in just a second, but but just before we sort of leave this space, what was it like, and what did you learn about building a culture at, at a company, and, and the importance of of culture to to to, to a successful company as well? So you know when you have a, a fast um fast growing business and during the bull runs of, of crypto in 2017 and 2019 as well um the the you know the dynamic is interesting because it's a million miles an hour so people can burn out and so yeah i think one lesson w would have been for us to uh to to be cognizant of that um you know, and and create space, but startups—it's hard because you you know you're struggling to pay yourself a wage, let alone the the team you need to 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 achieve the the goal. So yeah, it, it can it can really 
it can really eat in it. And I think it, it takes certain personalities. You know, you need to be able to um, recognize that startups attract because of the, the high risk nature, attract attract personalities that are driven by that. You know, it can be a high energy environment. It can be high stress. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, so as a result, you, you kind of need to be flexible um, with <laughs> with your with, with with the kind of expectations of what the in, in, the work environment is going to be like. I think you see startups that have these like you know really well funded startups that have um, you know uh, coffee coffee um, carts in their <laughs> in their foyer and and they have you know you know I think that that's like the dream right to have a a, a kind of the perks the bells and whistles of a of a of a big business but the the vibrancy and dynamism of a of a startup but i think the reality is that you know a whole whole bunch of startups are running out of co-working spaces and uh, running out of home you know especially for people starting in covid so yeah the 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 personality thing is a big is a big factor but also expectation setting so you you know if you have expectations um if you have conversations about expectations early then 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 i think that that helps a lot one other thing that i think um is critical when it comes to you know like getting the most out of your team members but also making sure that um everyone everyone kind of gets gets there in the end it's to value value the team members properly um and if you can do that that that's hard because you know w- when it comes to kind of the the finances you know startups are usually it's frowned upon to use vc money to to pay to pay founders you know right you, there's a there's a balance there and, and it's not about paying huge salaries but i think it's about um but but financially valuing team members and that's i think really critical and and silicon valley companies do that really well you know with incentives with stock options and and making sure that people are aligned and so i think that that australian companies startups definitely do that now but um the it's it's not as kind of standard to do that for for everyone you know for your customer service people to have stock in a company in australia that's a that's a newish idea uh and and I think it serves businesses really well when you have when you have everyone you know on board, right, and on board with the same kind of incentives, and that's something that I think the businesses out of the US do a really good job of. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of you know the the startup culture and sort of I guess moving on from that, what what was it like the transition being acquired by Kraken and and you know was was there any um I guess <laughs> relief on your end to 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 have the the backing of of a larger company and to I guess not have those stresses of the day to days of being part of a startup anymore. Yeah, it's a very different environment for lots of reasons, and also very similar because Kraken's managed to retain, um, you know, and the kind of an entrepreneurial spirit they've they've made a lot of acquisitions over the years and many of the people that have come into the business fire acquisitions have stayed and they've stayed and i think they've stayed because the culture is you know it because kraken still feels like a startup and it's still dynamic and there's still lots to do and there's you know lots of problems to solve and there's lots of opportunity and all those kind of you know things um that people look for when it comes to high growth fast growth startups um uh, I, you know, it's there, but, but similarly, I think because it, it has these kinds of people in the business, the, the, the agility, um, in terms of the thinking and the, and the openness, the kind of grassroots, um, the opportunity to, to drive innovation from the grassroots and have, you know, product, a product led company, um, you know, it relies on having people that 
have that kind of mindset. So yeah, it's maybe it's a chicken and an egg thing, but so therefore, you know, the transition for me, you know, I, I think it was actually really easy in that respect because even though I'd never worked for, you know, a large business, Kraken's not, obviously it's not an Amazon, but it's, you know, it's, it's got close to 3000 employees at the moment. And that's a lot more than the handful that we had working for us. So, you know, that, that's a, that's a shift. It's a multinational company. It, it it's a much bigger organization um, with, with much more formal structures. And so, yeah, that was a shift. Uh, but, but I think that the, that it was a kind of easy gear change because of the nature of, this is probably also due to the fact that it's an industry that demands, um, you know, high speed decision-making and it demands, um, agility, but th- that that also helps, no doubt. But but fundamentally, I think the culture is is an interesting part of why it's 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 remained a an attractive kind of proposition for 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 anyone who joins a business, but in particular entrepreneurs or people who have run businesses to come in and not feel like they are you know suddenly locked behind layers of bureaucracy. It's not like it, you know it, it it lends itself to to people who are um, have a more left field view, and I think that's great. Yeah, and was it a hard decision to make? Was it a quick decision? You know, what were the things you had to consider? I mean, you were no longer going to be your own boss and that sort of thing. How hard was that to go through? Well, it wasn't my decision. So, you know, it was a decision uh, recommended by the directors of which, you know, I was a director uh, to the shareholders and that's the kind of way that things work. We had, you know, Bittrade was a small you know, startup which had a whole lot of founders involved and, and, and other shareholders. And so, you know, there was... There was um, a dynamic there that meant that there, it was a decision, you know, had to be made at, on face value, and I, and I think it was it was yeah the, the the decision was taken on face value. It made sense for for everyone. The um the the kind of like experience of going through an acquisition though. I think that varies for, for different people. It's never fast, so it's not a fast decision. It's kind of like a very slow moving. Um, well, for some people, it turns into a train wreck. For for us, it was a kind of takeoff. But you know, the the um, the transit. You know, as the business was, um, you know, integrated into Kraken, that was the end of a long period of of um, of you know discussions, negotiations, uh, interrogations. You know, due diligence, uh, and then you know the the signing of the papers is one thing, but then you need to do the work of bringing all the value that that the company had into the, the the to the parent and and to make use of that so kraken you know kraken we went to kraken because we had um an app that we were we thought would be interesting for them but we also had um clients and we had we had a market making facility and we were looking for for um investment the, the kraken said yes this is really interesting to us but we're also looking to come to australia so they wanted to take out the whole entity and use it as a platform to then you know, for the team, the existing team, you know, the people who understood the market, but also the infrastructure, all those bits and pieces for it to be there for Kraken to open their business, their doors more widely to Australian users. And I think that was a really good match. It was a really good match for us and um, and a really, I, I hope and I think and I believe a really good match for, for Kraken. So, yeah, that was a, a long road, but a, certainly an interesting one, one that one that um, I think was described to me as kind of like, you know, when you you really hurt yourself. You can kind of remember how bad it was, but you don't actually remember the pain. You know, acquisitions are a little bit like that. They're, they're hard work. You know, you're up late. You 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 speak with lawyers. You're trying to get paperwork signed. It's just like a it's a it's a it's a grind. And um and so yeah, it was a really interesting process. Uh, but but fundamentally, it was a 
you know, lots of people involved, all, all the different um, employees and, and, and shareholders and, and directors and legal teams. And it was, yeah, it's a, a lot, a lot, a lot. It takes a lot to, to do those kind of deals, even if they're even if they're not, you know, massive. I think in some respects, you know, the the smaller to medium sized deals are even more work. So yeah, it was it was certainly certainly uh, something I won't forget. Yeah, and in the, the last few years working with Kraken, um, interested to know what that uh, experience has been like. Um, I guess both from a business and a management perspective the position that you're in and 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 maybe some of the things that you might have learned earlier in your career that you've tried to map out uh as 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 your style of leadership and management yeah really good question i think you know the the picture for kraken's a a fascinating one in my from my point of view and for listeners who don't know about kraken you know they're a digital asset exchange they're 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 a multinational business but when we joined i mean and this is true for a lot of crypto companies not specific to kraken uh it was delivered you know the exchange was being delivered the kind of the same way you might think about a business like spotify you know it's one experience you send it out to the world people come to you you can do it all from silicon valley and um you you, you push out updates and um you know word of mouth so that's that's kind of where it started but by the time you know we came along one of the reasons that kraken was really interested in having a local team um was because Times are changing, and crypto has gone through a a kind of transition itself. It's gone from being, you know, a very very much a kind of a realm for for speculation and and a kind of fixed um, kind of point of view on 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 the world. In this, with respect to to Kraken's operations, it was an exchange, and that's what it, what it was doing best. But but as adoption has, um, as we've kind of climbed up the adoption curve. Crypto in, in general, not not users of Kraken, but um, we've gone from crypto being something that people wonder about whether it will be used to, to oh now it's being used how do I use it and so Kraken is transitioned and is transitioning um, from being uh, a very neutral uh, exchange to being something that's much more uh, connected between you know and and is a bridge and a platform between the individual and and the wide world of crypto and its many uses. You know, a good example of that is staking. You know, if you want to become a, a, a validator and be part of these kind of decentralized networks, you can do that yourself and to get all the tech skills to do it, or you can come to a business like Kraken, a, a platform like Kraken, and participate through a platform like ours. Um, you know, NFTs is another example. So that that's one thing that over the last two years, that that shift, that transition, I've been kind of watching that play out in real time from Kraken's point of view, you know, as it moves, it kind of orientates itself slightly differently along with the industry. So that's been fascinating to watch and the, all, all the things that you need to do to achieve that, you know, uh, the product team needs to needs to, to drive um, these changes, the, 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 all the supporting teams. But then you also have another layer, which is that regions now in crypto have different characteristics and some of that's from a regulatory point of view so being really at the kind of coalface of what's happening from a regulatory point of view has is a lot of what you know i i need to do in my in my role so i think that was always there prior to 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 working with kraken but because of what's happening in the outside world that's become more and more you know core to to you know my day-to-day and so as a result where I was, say, a bit more hands-on with product, now I'm a bit more hands-on with kind of, you know, the operations team, and and that's a team that's grown. You know, we 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 interface with the legal teams and and the marketing teams and and all those different global teams and compliance teams, and we think about how can we re- make make this work in Australia, and that focus and that gr- that kind of um, 
you know, uh, that opportunity really is is a it's a different way of working as opposed to 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 how Bittrade worked, which was a very much a local business. It wasn't about um, you know converting products from global to local, and the, and so the kind of cross functional uh, hands on experience I had in in business like Bittrade has been extremely useful. Um, being able to work between different teams, understand you know, engineers, understand uh, product people, understand compliance people, understand all those things, uh, I understand marketing, that all applies in a, in a larger organization. So in some respects, even though the challenge is different, the, the kind of the skills that I learned running a small business um, absolutely apply to, to a role like this. And so in terms of my style, it's really, if anything, it's accentuated the need for me to lean into what I already used to do, which is, which is communicate cross-functionally, do play that role, you know, uh, in between different team members. And, and so we can achieve those goals of bringing these kind of really interesting, exciting, but also localized products to the market and do so in a way that is, um, well, I mean, fundamentally, uh, kind of maps to the regulatory kind of landscape and, 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 and is dynamic enough to, to, to change when needed, either that, either because of changes to some sort of law or, or because of the, the commercial imperative. You know, the, the space moves so quickly. So being able to identify opportunities is really still part of the, the job, but it's just a different way of, of working, you know, internally to achieve that goal. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of learnings from my early career, a, a lot of experience that's been absolutely critical for, for, for me to achieve what I've, what I've achieved in, in Cycracken. Yeah, and I guess my next question ties into that a little bit more. It's obviously um, been a tough time for crypto. You've mentioned before that, you know, having been in the industry for a little while, you've seen bull markets, you've seen bear markets. Um, how do you tackle things like culture and the well-being of staff when there's just this, I guess, cloud hanging over it? It's obviously really nice when, you know, there's periods like, you know, big booms like there was late last year and and you mentioned sort of 2019 and, and, and earlier um earlier bull markets but but yeah how how do you look at things like culture and the well-being of stuff especially when you see uh i guess headlines in in the other parts of the sector where uh, you know other trades and other other platforms are, are laying off stuff and that sort of thing well we've been really lucky with kraken because i think um you know jesse and the executive team have been really careful about how they think about growth and they've seen how volatile an industry like crypto can be so you know to a certain extent being conservative throughout the years when it comes to say marketing we've been really lucky you know as a business we've got uh, over 9 million clients globally and very little of that has been a result of marketing spend so we you know we're we're in a position whereby um we, we've been conservative with spend and so we invest that in 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 team and so yeah i think i think as a you know, as an employee of a business that thinks like that, that's very, that's a very kind of, um, you know, comforting, I think is the word for it. I mean, and people in our, uh, in our organization, I think would echo that. I can't speak on their behalf, but, but I think that they would, it would be echoed that they're happy to know that we, you know, we can ride this kind of stuff out and you need to, um, I think it's really mature actually for a business to think that way and to think about, um, uh, its reserves, you know, in, in inherently volatile, market so so that's that's really comforting i think the other thing you need to do is to um make sure that you have alignment and so you know everyone 
knows what what Kraken's trying to do. They're trying to um, essentially um, bring crypto uh, into the mainstream. That's the kind of at the the highest, most abstract level. But do that in a way that really serves the individual, that allows individuals to make use of this this revolutionary technology that we think will change finance and 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 fundamentally change the internet. So we want to be that bridge into that new world and we want to provide the platform for people to engage. So if if that's what you're trying to do and you're attracting team members who are aligned with that, then that really helps. So, you know, having a vision like that, having having a, a kind of longer term plan and, and an objective that people can kind of be goal aligned around, I think really helps when it comes to then, you know, uh, when the sky starts falling in in the world outside, if you can still have um, a north star of some kind that you can you can align behind and 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 point towards and drive towards, then then that's a really big part of how you how you keep how you keep the energy you know in the business in and and that energy being used in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And and just moving to to my final question that I always finish this podcast with, which is what is your silver bullet for business success? I feel like you've almost answered this in a whole bunch of different ways already. Um, but you know, just just for the listeners, um, you know, as as I discuss on each of these podcasts, it doesn't even have to be something that's related to business. Quite often people, it's a mindset or a philosophy, it could be going for a run before work, and there's absolutely no right or wrong answer. Uh, but just to tie things off with with the whole silver bullet uh thing, what what would yours be if, if you had to put it down to something? Look, I'll take the personal point of view on this one. And I think, you know, one thing for me that was really important um was to uh remain energized. And, um, and I think optimism is, is a huge part of that. But you can encourage optimism in yourself um, by doing, I mean, in my case, you know, exercise is a huge part of that. Having routines that put your body and your mind in a really positive state, I think are critical to then allowing you to, you know, use your energy for, for a, in a productive way. And, and so optimism, I think, um, is a, is a huge, is a huge part of, of business success because when you take risks, you really need to look at the bright side, otherwise you wouldn't take them. Um, so, so I think encouraging optimism in yourself by, by doing things, um, you know, working in a place that you're passionate about, sure, working in an industry that you're passionate about, but also doing things around that, you know, for yourself, uh, be that physical or, or, or otherwise. And, and, you know, I've, I've got other hobbies and music and things like that, but I think that being being positive is a, is a huge part of of success. And I I don't want to sound like uh, a self help guy, but I, I really do think that that that's that in the day to day it plays out. Yeah, that's a really refreshing take. Oh, Jono, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat today. Thanks for having me. It's been great. 